starting this series on Ever Wonder Why, and we're, we're following Jesus, not just the events of his life, but some of the things that he did, some of the things that he taught, and how difficult at times it is to imitate him or understand what he is asking of us, but we're still going to work with that. Is that my mic that's popping like that? All right, I'm going to switch mics then, because we don't need to do that. All right, so we're doing this series on Ever Wonder Why, because we follow the life of Jesus, and there's times when you just go, I, I, I don't know why he did that, or why he expects us to do that. I don't know why he said that, and how that works in my life. And there are times that following the example and the teaching of Christ is perplexing and challenging and hard to do. And we're looking at a few of those passages. And we're starting at some passages from the book of Luke. And uh, to begin with today, uh, our, our issue that we're looking at today is Jesus' challenge that his followers bear fruit. He does this multiple times. He says, you know, I want you, if you follow me, if you obey me, I want you to bear fruit, and this is what it'll look like. And so we're going to look at this from a, another chapter in Jesus' life, and one that's a little bit perplexing to me, and I've tried to dig it apart a little bit. So bear with me as we talk about bearing fruit, because that's what Jesus did and what he wants us to do. So there's this passage in Luke chapter 13, and um, it's just, I'm just going to read these nine verses. Um, if you want to, you can read the verses surrounding it, but, but you'll get a grasp here really quickly that this is not the easiest thing to understand for us. Uh, we weren't standing there with him. We didn't observe his body language, his gestures, and, and yet we also know that those that were there were not quick on the uptake either. They didn't just quickly grasp this. He was trying to teach deep and hard truths. And so here we go into chapter 13. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in, uh, in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told a story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So 
this is just a strange episode, but it, it gives us a little bit of insight into some things that were happening around Jesus and the, the, the dynamics of the time. So if you thought that, you know, we live in a new era where there are church shootings and, you know, there are Christians being beheaded in the Middle East and, and you know, people with radical bias and prejudice and racism are going into, you know, uh, mosques in New Zealand and shooting people, and this is just crazy. I would just suggest to you that Solomon was right when he said there is nothing new under the sun. This is not something new. So here's the event that we hear about through Jesus' words. Pilate, who is the governor of Judea, who is going to be the guy that washes his hands when Jesus stands before him on trial, that same Pilate, for some reason, he got really mad and he ordered his soldiers to go into the temple, into the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And there were some people there, some Galileans who were worshiping and he said, just kill them. And so they had this temple massacre where these Galileans are killed. The the fact that they were Galileans is important because you remember, some of you remember, Jesus came from Galilee. And Galilee is not right there next to Jerusalem. They traveled down to the temple to do their own special worship and their little pilgrimage to the temple. And these are Galileans from up north. And I would guess, just subjectively, that some of the people Jesus knew in Galilee knew some of the people that had been there. So just like, you know, in our lives, we look back and we go, you know, when 9-11 happened, you know, we know people who were impacted. People who were there, lost their life, or were supposed to be on one of those planes. Just like, you know, that shooting at Las Vegas and that big, huge concert. Well, we know people who went to another concert right before that. Or maybe people who were there. Or or we go to a place like Sandy Hook and we go, you know, a cousin of my friend. Well, I I would just guess that there were Galileans around Jesus and around the disciples that came to him and said, that was our cousin down there. They went down to worship and they're dead. They were slaughtered. And just as we're troubled by these events, the people of Jesus' day were troubled by these events. And this is a topic of conversation. And they're saying, hey, you know, Jesus, we Jewish people, we're being, we're being abused. We're being persecuted by these Romans. And we got this crazy guy, Pilate, who maybe, I don't know, didn't like what he had for breakfast. And said to his centurions, hey, go down there and Teach those Jews a lesson. I don't know what instigated this, but there's some kind of conflict going on here. And Pilate thinks it's appropriate to go into the temple and kill worshipers. And they happen to be Galileans that Jesus and his followers probably knew or knew about. We're not talking about some kind of clinical abstract way on the other side of the world, people that had a tragedy. These are people that are pretty close by These are us. They're just like us. Galilean Jewish people going to worship and these horrible invading Romans murdered them. 
And of course, in this talk, in this dialogue, somebody says, Jesus. Or maybe not to Jesus, Peter. Or maybe just even between themselves over here, they're talking and they say, hey, you know, I wonder what they did. I wonder what was wrong with them. What sin did they commit that they would be murdered in the act of worship? They would lose their life in the act of worship. Why would God allow that? They must have done something wrong. This must be some kind of an act of God. You know, we do this too. This is also not something that's just segregated to a couple thousand years ago when we didn't understand technology and theology. So today we have these things where somebody, some guy gets a great, seemingly great insight and says, oh, you know, that hurricane that hit there, that's God's judgment on that city. And we have, I was going to call him a name. We have people who do that. And so here's Jesus, and they're, they're saying, you know, Jesus, we knew these Galileans, and we're trying to figure out what they did that was so wrong that they would die when they go down to Jerusalem, you know? We would say the same thing. We wonder what happened, why that plane went down. I wonder if somebody on that plane was committing adultery. I wonder if that pilot was drunk. Why did they deserve to go down? And Jesus, he, he, he looks at this and he goes, wait a minute. Everybody needs to repent. It wasn't just them. They didn't die because they were the only evil ones in Galilee. We all need to repent. And then he goes on. He goes, you know, there's this other event. There was this tower at the place in Jerusalem called Siloam. And the tower fell over and there were people next to the tower and... Oh no. Yeah, I was laughing this week. We were looking at these little these these flashlights, these headlamps and things, and Jordan and I were looking at the one and there's a warranty in there and I was kind of flipping through the warranty, you know, all that fine print you never read, and it said, you know, it will cover lifetime warranty except number one, acts of God. So I told so I tossed it across the desk to Jordan. I said, here. If, if God strikes that with lightning, we don't get another one, so you hold it, not me, man. And we kind of laughed about that. But you know, here's this thing. These people in Siloam, they're standing there one day. They're doing business. They're talking to their neighbors. And this poorly built building falls over, and they're underneath the rubble, and they're crushed, and they die. And Jesus goes, you know, they were murdered by the hand of an evil person, but they were just standing on the wrong street at the wrong time on the wrong day. And they died. And the point Jesus is making is, you know what, folks? We all need to repent. We're not going to point a finger at them and say, well, they must be more evil than we are because they died a horrible death. They must be more evil than we are because they died this, this crazy freak accident kind of a death. No. We all need to repent. And so we see that what Jesus is talking about is there's lots of repentance that needs to happen. I mean, people are wayward and people are doing things they shouldn't do. And repentance is the order of the day. We should come back to God and say, I am sorry and I ask your forgiveness. This is the spirit of the season of Lent. We repent. We, we 
renounce certain things we take pleasure in because we say, Lord, I don't need to do that. I need to be reminded of what you went through for me. Sid Mead has been leading our men's uh, ministry here and and uh, the word that he gave us for the year was rebellious. That we're rebellious. And, and he signs off, those guys that are getting his uh, text messages, he signs off by saying, we are rebellious by nature. And I like that. Because then I just go, you know, these guys are all like me. When somebody cuts me off, I go, hey, hey buddy. I'll show you. It's a good thing I don't have a fast car or a big pickup. Because I'm rebellious by nature. Or we're here at this time of year and we're going, you know what, it's tax time. And they changed the tax laws and some of you might have had an unpleasant surprise. And you go, you know what, I'm going to change this a little bit because I am not giving the government any more than I want to give them. And we're rebellious by nature. Or we come home from work and we meet our spouse there at the door. And the spouse says, hey, we got to do something about this in our home right now. This never happens in our home, by the way. But I know I've heard about it happening. And, and we go, you know, I've had a long day and you can take care of that on your own. Don't ask me to do that. Come on. And we're rebellious by nature. And Jesus says, you know, those people needed to repent, but so did these. And guess what, my friend? So do you. The tower fell on them and those ones were murdered and you might die of old age, but we all need to repent. There's a lot of repentance that should take place. You see, people die and sometimes people die for the wrong, most heinous reasons, the most inappropriate reasons. And occasionally, and I would say quite frequently, people die because they've reached that point of life where their life is over. They've lived a long, full life. And so we stand there with family who bid farewell after a long and beautiful life. And we grieve, but we also go, boy, that's how I want it. Peacefully, in my sleep, with those who love me standing around me, that, that's how I want to go. That's the way to die. Well, whether you're the one or the other, we need to learn to obey. And one of the ways we learn to obey is by saying, I'm not going to do what I did. So the way we make our decisions about how we live our life, the way we decide what we're going to do day in and day out, is something we can choose to either honor God or defy God. We can either be rebels or followers. And here's the thing, the questions that were being asked, I think, in the crowd that day were questions about whether or not these people were righteous or not righteous, whether these were good people or bad people, were there things in their lives that we didn't know about, why in the world would they suffer such a fate? And I think Jesus' answer is, this is not about whether or not but this is about how you prepare yourself because it's coming. Scripture tells us it is appointed once for each person to die. But we get a lot of say in how we approach that day. We get to make all kinds of decisions about how we get from here to there. 
the next thing that comes to my attention is I'm reading this story and Jesus says, yeah, you know, we've got these people that were, I mean, there was this massacre in the temple and then there was this horrible event where a tower fell over and we're wondering about why in the world would God let things like this happen? Well, we all need to repent. But then there's this reminder that, you know, God is a very patient, gracious, merciful God because Jesus then tells this story. He follows that up. Right on the heels of this discussion, he says, you know, it's like having a fruit tree, a fig tree in your garden and it's not bearing fruit. And the owner says, you know, this thing should be cut down because it's not doing what it intended, what's it, it's intended to do. And, and the gardener says, give me another chance. Let me water it and fertilize it. I might even talk to the tree this year. Just... Give me a shot at getting this tree to have some figs because figs are awesome and fig trees have figs. And the, and the owner says, okay, one more year. And we have the sense that there is patience involved. That, you know, people are rebellious and fig trees at times are rebellious and they don't bear fruit when they're supposed to bear fruit. But God is patient. And I'm reminded of this. We, we read in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and love is kind and this other litany of characteristics of love. And so we see that patience is part of the makeup of God himself because then farther along in 1 John, the first epistle from John, we read that God is love. And God is love and love is patience and we can just, you know, we can do the math. And we don't have to do this in some kind of a philosophical sense. How many of us can say, you know, I did those things. I was that rebellious person who needed to repent. But God gave me time. And God gave me opportunities. And so I could see that God was being patient with me because he loved me. And he was drawing me because he wanted me. I know that you, if you've traveled that journey out of rebellion, you've experienced this too. It also redefines the way that we interact with each other, doesn't it? So when I see somebody doing something and I go, that is just rebellious. Why don't they do what I told them to do? Why don't you act like a responsible human being I need to be reminded, but God is love and love is patient. And so God is patient. And maybe if we are God's people, we should have some ounce of patience as well. Now, as soon as I say that, that rubs us the wrong way. Because no, we want people to be good. We want them to do the right things. We want good citizens living next door to us. And there's this sense of justice and righteousness that we want to enforce and yet we see God who is just calling and wooing, not pushing and whipping. Second Peter 3.9 says this, and this is, I love this passage because it speaks to me and where I've been. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 
I like that. I like that. And then I realize that, you know, God may bless me with, I don't know, 80 years. If I'm, if I'm really rebellious, he might give me 90. You know? And give me some time to get some things right. I was always amazed and interested. And I, I, I alluded to this uh, in giving a tribute to Kay Klein. When I would sit and visit with her and she would tell me very pointedly, you're my confessor and I need to bring to you my confession. And I thought, Kay, you know, you're 92, 93, 94 years old. What sins can you possibly have to confess? But she did, and that was meaningful to her. I want to unburden this stuff that I, I don't want to be that person, even in my 90s, and I'm asking God to continue to refine even the least of the impurities that are left. And some of you guys go, man, Pastor Hank, we've been around you. You are a great guy. We've watched you and the way you treat people. What do you mean you have things to repent? Trust me. We all, if we are breathing, have impurities that God would still like to refine and filter out of our lives because he is patient and he is loving and he wants us to be the best. And then conversely, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. And that's not about towers falling down or soldiers slaughtering in a temple. That's about the destruction we do to ourselves. The worst kind. That's not about someone who hates Christians taking our lives. That's about us who are just so selfish we walk away from God and experience true destruction. That's about us cultivating things that we think are easy and happy and nice in our lives, but really tear away at the image of God that has been created and recreated in us. So then we come back to the story of this, this patient gardener and owner. And of course, the imagery we have with this is the Father and Jesus Christ and God saying, it is time for me to exact some kind of righteous judgment and Jesus going no 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 let me let me go down and live among these people let me form a new covenant let me water and fertilize and speak to these people a little bit longer and then we see it's about bearing fruit there's several passages in the gospels where Jesus talks about bearing fruit and you've heard me preach on them before I know But I want to suggest to you that there is something that is natural about those who follow Jesus and bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God. There's something that is just normative. It isn't weird. It isn't strange. It just happens for those who follow Jesus. Some of you know that I'm a big fan of the Star Wars series. And some of you have already read that first line and go, oh, we're going to talk about Yoda. Up there. You know, there's there's this line where Luke Skywalker is figuring out that he has these Jedi powers in Star Wars and he doesn't know how to harness them and he realizes he can do things but he has no control over it. And, and here's Yoda, this weird-looking, strange, mousy guy, master. 
And Luke Skywalker says, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to do this. And Yoda's wisdom in response is, there is no try. There is do or do not do. I love that line. And of course, you can get it on t-shirts. You can get it on bumper stickers. You know, there is no try. Here's what I think. We need to reinforce that in our, in our spiritual walk with God. It is not about trying to be a good Christian. Stop thinking that way. Because here's the thing. When we're trying to do it and we're doing it on our own willpower and human strength, eventually those things are going to fail us and then we're going to go, I am a failure as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the definition that we have for our relationship with God is failure. That's the tendency we have then. Because I tried. I tried not to say those words. I tried not to drink too much alcohol. I tried not to look at that woman. I tried not to cheat on my taxes. And it happened. And so I'm lousy. I'm a worm. And I'm rebellious by nature. And my spiritual journey is defined by failure. Because I tried and I failed. If, if you identify with that, like I do, let Yoda whisper in your, your ear. There is no try. There is do or do not do. Here's the thing. Jesus said in another passage in the Gospel of John, he said, when you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. He didn't say you might if you try hard, and if the wind's blowing in the right direction on the right day, and you got out of the bed on the right side of bed, you might just honor me and bear something. He doesn't say that. He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear fruit. The trouble we have with this is that oftentimes we don't recognize fruit for what it is. We don't see what the Spirit does in us, what Jesus has done for us, and how we respond, because oftentimes we do it naturally. You see, fruit trees bear fruit by their very nature. That's what they do. And we could, we could go on and say, you know, if you put a stick in the hand of a boy, it will become a weapon. Wow! If you put a human facsimile, some kind of an image of a human being, a small kind of an image in the hands of a young child, and usually we think of it as women, they will pretend it's a baby. Boys do that too. Wow. If I speak harshly to my wife, there are normative things that happen. Wow. And I don't sit there and go, where did that come from? I know. Ah, that was me. So here's the thing. Fruit trees bear fruit. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's part of the definition, isn't it? It's what defines us. And as we follow Christ, as we give him attention, as we listen to his voice, lo and behold, surprise, surprise, we tend to imitate him. 
We tend to do what he would do. I know that some of you think, man, I've got huge obstacles in my path. If you were here at the beginning when that Uh, When we were getting ready for worship, we were assembling. That video was going, and here's all these people, and they have photos of themselves that look like mugshots. They have these photos, and one said, addict. And he was sitting out in front of the bar. And one says, gossip. We have images of ourselves that are defined by our failure and rebellion and Jesus as he enters our lives as he begins to work in our lives begins to undo and rewire and alter our very being and this little girl comes along and takes another picture and redefines who we are we are rebellious by nature yes but we are transformed by Christ. We are transformed by Christ. There is no try. If Jesus is in your life, if he continues to just scoop more and more territory into his influence, you start to do the things that he wants you to do. It's normal. It happens. If you spend time around God's people, if you spend time reading scripture, if you spend time doing these things, sooner or later, God's going to go, I have an opportunity for you. And here's the shameless plug. Family promises this week. You can bless somebody for me. There's a funeral coming. You can help out moving chairs, giving some food. Bless somebody for me. Oh, you're getting cut off in traffic. Just just slow down and let them go right ahead. And you know, God does this thing where he rewires us and it becomes a natural inclination for us to respond to God in this way because followers follow. That's the very definition. Followers follow Christ. Let me tell you, if there's one thing that I would wish for our church, you've heard me say this before, I'll say it again. I would love for our church to be so close to Christ that we follow right in his footsteps. If we do the things that Christ did, this city, this, well, this neighborhood, this city, and, and this whole world will be changed because of us. That's what followers do. And so, my friends, I want you to set aside that there is no try. This isn't about, I'm going to go out there this week and boy, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to watch my money so I can tithe next week. I understand there's, there's issues of discipline at work there. But, my friends, what I really want you to do, I really want you to do what God asks. Those people who were struggling with the issues of repentance, did the tower fall over? Did they get speared? Because they were not righteous, that they needed to repent. We can set the worry aside and say, let's just be people who obey. Let's just be people who follow. Band, come up and let's, uh, let's sing in closing.